to the Win-Win Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Samalong. Join us as we dive into changing trends in the workplace and how to navigate them successfully. Sales enablement teams are maturing and becoming more established each year, especially as more organizations are realizing enablement's strategic impact on the business. Research from Sales Enablement Pro found that organizations are 48% more likely to have higher buyer engagement if their sales enablement processes have been in place for more than two years. So how can you mature your practices as enablement becomes more established in your organization? Here to discuss this with us is Nav Nicholson, the Principal Sales Enablement Manager at Redis. Thanks for joining us, Nav. I would love for you to introduce yourself, your background, and your role. Of course. Thanks for having me, Shauna. As you introduced me already, I am the Principal Sales Enablement Program Manager here at Redis. I own all of the sales tech stack that we use internally. So that includes HighSpot, Outreach, uh, Zoom Info, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, whatnot. So not only do I own it, I also run the workflows associated with those platforms. I own ROI that we get from it. In addition to that, I'm also responsible to ensure that folks are using them in a consistent manner and in the prescribed workflows. As far as my background goes, I come from a success world. Before I jumped into enablement, I was a customer success manager, and my now boss actually stole me from the last place that I was at. (laughs) He decided to poach me, and he brought me on as an enablement person, and I think it's actually a pretty good transition, especially for somebody that was in success to join an enablement team and kind of run with the specific focus that I have, because as a success person, you're constantly trying to train and tell people, you know, hey, this is the prescribed flow. This is how you should do certain things. And so I'm doing exactly that, but more from an enablement perspective. Fantastic. Well, we're excited to have you join us today. I'd love to start off by just understanding, you know, what enablement maturity means for enablement success within your organization. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things that every team is going to define totally differently. And it depends on who you're talking to and what their typical focus looks like. So my response might be a little different than what other people might say. But how we look at enablement maturity, we have a, we have some key components. So the key components that we personally look at at Redis is basically the sales effectiveness, performance, and readiness. In addition to that, we also look at some buyer engagement. And another one that I'm responsible for is content management. Uh, so all of those play a very critical part in our day-to-day that allows us to determine what our sales enablement maturity looks like. I think you're spot on. In in your experience, how has your enablement strategy maybe changed or evolved, though, as it's matured? So when I joined, our team was only two people. (laughs) We had a VP and a director. So I was one of the very first um, actual, like a practitioner enablement hire that owned enablement from, you know, the day-to-day perspective, even though our director was super involved 
in the teams that we support. And so with me coming on board, we started having more hands-on conversations with leadership and management. In addition to that, started to have more one-on-one with with reps too. But I think the way our team has evolved over time, now we have nine people, by the way. We started from two (laughs) to now nine. And so it all happened because of the need and also the, the integrated approach that we're starting to follow for our enablement team. So the way that we're structured at the moment is we have a person that's dedicated to account planning. We have headcounts that are more focused on team-specific readiness, and then we have an onboarding person and a content writer. And you already know that I own the tech stack, and then we have a person that's responsible for just sales performance. And then uh, we have charters that help us outline what our focus needs to look like for any given quarter or a year. In addition to that, we do follow a lot of different workflows and frameworks that help us define our goals in the long run. I know that's a long-winded response to your question, uh, but our maturity kind of depends on the need for the business. So where does the business want to be? And we kind of align our our expectations to that. Awesome. And that, that does tee us up really nicely for the next question. What does your process look like for auditing and optimizing your current workflows? Yeah, we're very data driven. And when I say we're very data driven, like we have multiple folks on our team that are actually really good at creating reports and (laughs) putting together dashboards. I know most enablement teams typically work with their ops team. So do we. We actually have a very strong relationship with our internal sales ops team, but our team also does a very fantastic job. And I'm one of the people that um, creates reports and dashboards for us that helps us understand are the workflows that we're creating landing? Like, are folks actually following the suggested structure that we've given to them to achieve the goals that they have? And we are very much so involved in their day-to-day functions. So say for prospecting, as an example, our team is, is actually telling them where to go, what to do, and at what time. So our flow starts with like identifying your accounts, then finding your prospects, adding them to sequence. But what flow do you need to follow in order to get to that? So we prescribe that to them. In addition to that, we also track who's really performing well with the flow that we've suggested. And it's actually pretty easy to to see if people are following the prescriptive workflows. The way we can track that is using some of the reporting and metrics that we've rolled out to folks and ensuring that people are hitting those. If they're not, it's quite simple for us to know, okay, these are the folks that are actually not doing what we're suggesting that they do. And so the way we're auditing that is using the reporting. But in addition to that, our hands-on approach is more with the folks that are actually owning those teams. So we work very closely with managers to kind of have a conversation where they let us know okay, because these folks are not following the the process that you've rolled out, here might be, here's the potential reason that they might not be, or here's the reason why um, we need to have a direct conversation with them to steer them in the right direction. So we have one-on-ones with our reps that may not be following the workflow that we're suggesting, and we work very, very closely with the leaders and managers to ensure that we have buy-in from them. Because at the end of the day, enablement can do so much, but if we don't have the necessary buy-in from the leadership, the stuff that we're rolling out is not going to get picked up. 
Mm, absolutely. You're spot on. So how do you go about tying your enablement processes and programs to specific business goals that, you know, as you said, your your leaders care deeply about that will help you get that buy-in? Yeah, that's actually a great question. We have recently started focusing on this. And because how ingrained we are in our sellers day-to-day, our team is tied to the revenue that our sales teams are generating. And not only do we come into play towards the end of the sales cycle, we're, we're involved from the start to the beginning, from prospecting to discovery to, to evaluation and purchase. So all of that, we're very much so involved in the entire process throughout, like we're fully integrated into their day-to-day. So the way that we determine how our processes are really helping the teams is based on the pipeline that they're generating. In addition to that, we're also tied to the revenue that they're generating. So if the teams are not producing enough pipeline, it comes down to us identifying, okay, is it because of the workflows that we've rolled out and those are not landing? Or is it because folks are actually not following those workflows, which is leading to the the gap in the pipeline that we were generating? I'm so excited to hear that you guys are starting to do that, though, within your organization. I think that's a huge step forward in helping enablement position itself strategically within the organization. What goals do you have for the next year in regard to maybe helping to evolve enablement maturity within your organization? I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to, you know, the maturity models and kind of identifying where do we fall on that category. (laughs) So obviously I know there are so many different maturity models that are out there. And so some of the ones that I've been, uh, I've looked at recently is like the one from Demand Metrics and the one from Highspot. And there's so many of them. I would say that as far as where we fall today, we're kind of like a a good mix between data-driven and partially mature. Uh, there's no one's ever going to tell you that their enablement team is like fully at a level where they're optimized and their entire flows are fully uh, integrated in everything. No, I think we do always have room for improvement. But as far as our organization goes or how our team is functioning, like I said, we're a key player in pipeline tracking and management. In addition to that, we're quite involved with ops and marketing. We also play a very critical factor in driving our revenue and growth, and we're supported by execs and leadership, like I said. We also track usage and adoption, which I mentioned. So our team is extremely data-driven, and we try to focus our initiatives based on what we're really looking for as a team or as a company, as an organization. Our actually VP of enablement is very close with our CRO. So depending on what our uh, chief revenue officer is looking for, our charters change and our initiatives also change. So um, we always align our expectations with what the company needs and desires. So as far as like our future, in the direction that we're heading, I mean, we all know that the economy is kind of experiencing ebbs and flows. So with that comes um, the revenue that your company is generating is also going to have ebbs and flows. So on top of that, pipeline creation becomes quite important because nowadays folks are only going to have conversations with you if the product that you're selling 
is necessary for their day to day, if it's necessary and if it's going to um, become a part of their mission critical approach. And so our focus for this year, for the rest of this year and going into next fiscal year is to ensuring that our teams understand the the requirements around, hey, you need to have conversations that are more pain-based. You need to follow the the workflows that we're suggesting, but those are because those are actually going to help you win the deals that you might have staggered. In addition to that, if you're wanting to create pipeline, it's important that you follow the structure and the KPI metrics that we've rolled out because consistency is going to get you across the board. Being all over the place is not going to help you in any way. Again, long-winded response, <laughs> but I think the the direction that we're going is going to be very much so just ensuring that we're understanding the internal data, understanding how our team's performing and aligning our goals and prioritizing our expectations with that. Now, I'd love to get your perspective. What do you think other enablement practitioners should know about enablement maturity and what can you share to help them prepare their own journeys? I think what's the very first thing that they need to look at is how would you define your enablement maturity? How do you define your your team's primary focuses? And from there, build towards how you're going to achieve that maturity and looking at um, the primary criteria that's going to enable yourself and also the, the, the teams that you're supporting and the part that leadership that's supporting you is going to play in that. One of the things that I noticed last week when I was at Sales Enablement Society is folks are hungry to understand how other sales enablement teams are running the function. And there are still, there's a lot that goes into an enablement team and the way they function. But as far as the maturity goes for an enablement team, it's very much so dependent on the desires and the requirements that your company has. We're lucky that our CRO understands the importance that an enablement team has in their day-to-day. Not every company does. So for a lot of folks, you are going to have to do some internal selling in order for the teams to understand the critical part that an enablement team plays in the actual revenue generating goals. Long story short, I think the things that an enablement needs to consider as they're going to mature is looking at what's on the charter, Obviously, create that charter on the front end, align that with the company goals and the desires that your leadership has, and ensure that you have buy-in from the teams, not only from the leadership and executive level, but also the frontline managers, because those frontline managers are the ones that are going to reinforce anything that you're rolling out, any framework that you're rolling out, or any workflows that you're rolling out. If you don't have the buy-in from the frontline managers, Whatever you're sharing is not going to land and it's not going to show any success. In addition to that, once you do roll out those frameworks and once you do roll out workflows that you're rolling out, make sure you have a plan to track the success. Make sure you've identified the metrics that are going to help you understand if the work you're doing is making an impact because we're at a place where nobody wants to just roll something out just because you think it's the right thing. They want to see an actual impact that we're making. Absolutely. Last last question for you to close. How has your organization leveraged Highspot to help achieve some of the business outcomes that you guys have seen through enablement? 
So we rolled out HighSpot almost two and a half years ago at this point, and we actually replaced another a competitor of yours. And folks didn't really believe in a content management system prior to us rolling out HighSpot. And, and here's why, because no one really owned that platform at the time, and things were a complete mess. And once we rolled out HighSpot, we started to organize our content in a way that it's easier for for people to find it. Now, I'm not going to say that we're a pro at it. One of the projects that I'm focusing on in the coming coming months is actually restructuring our HighSpot content and how we're presenting that to our sales team. And to do that, I'll be working very closely with our teams and kind of going through the format that we've put together and seeing if it'll It'll help them in identifying the content. But as far as using HighSpot, it has played a very critical part in our sellers day to day. Not only are we using HighSpot as a CMS, we also use HighSpot's training and coaching capability. And we use HighSpot capabilities for our onboarding. So our bootcamp sessions and our onboarding sessions, which is set up in a way where folks can just go into HighSpot and kind of complete this. So it's self-paced. Not only are we just using that for the onboarding purpose, but we also use that whenever we purchase a new product. So we rolled out Six Sense late last year. And so I created an actual course. So two separate courses, one for SDRs and one for AEs that outlines the workflow that's recommended as far as the usage of Six Sense goes. So that's how we rolled that out. So when we onboarded Six Sense, folks actually had to go through that training. So whenever a new hire starts, they all go through that training. That's just one of the examples. We have many other examples where we're using high spot capabilities to ensure that folks understand from the front end instead of just going into some of those other platforms to kind of do whatever they want. But HighSpot has played a very critical role in our onboarding needs. In addition to that, also ensuring that our content is up to date. We track buyer engagement with our content. So how engaged are buyers with some of the content that we're creating? So we have analytics and reporting on on all of that too. So big fan, love HighSpot and excited to see the way we, we plan on evolving it in the coming months. I'd love to hear that. Thank you so much, Nev, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Win-Win Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more insights on how you can maximize enablement success with HighSpot. Spot.